going to rewind my life a little bit this morning so you can catch a glimpse of the glory days of eighth grade basketball. Anybody play basketball about the eighth grade? You know, that was the time that your body really started to kind of get it. Like you, you knew you could either play or you knew that you just needed to go sit in the bleachers and cheer your friends on. You know what I'm saying? And really, I think I, I might should have been in the bleachers, Ray, to be honest with you. I'm not sure. But I was on the court. And uh, there I was playing against one of our local rival schools. There were uh, five schools in DeSoto County, Mississippi, where I grew up. And so we, we had some pretty good rivalries just there within the county. And these were, these were pretty big schools. We were losing, but Coach Lawrence had given us one of those good old-fashioned middle school coach pep talks at halftime in the locker room, one that was partially filled with yelling and partially filled with encouragement. You know what I'm talking about? It was like a good pat on the back and a kick in the pants all at the same time. And so we knew we had to step it up. And we came back to the court ready to come back and win the game. And I stood ready to receive the inbound pass from my friend, Curtis Richardson. He gave me the ball, and to our utter astonishment, there stood absolutely no one between either of us and the basket. And man, we took off. And I went up, you know, and you guys know the pressure. There's nobody in front of you. Sometimes those are the hardest shots to make. And man, I went up for an easy layup and missed it. I thought, oh, goodness. And I watched as Curtis got the rebound. And it's about the time that he's got the ball in his hands going back up that I realized the reason that there was no one between us and the basket. (laughs) At halftime, you switch ends of the court. And my dad is standing in the bleachers going, my coach, who has just, you know, given us this fiery pep talk about, boys, you need to step it up, is over there just going, oh. Half the stands laughing at us, half the stands are screaming at us. Our team is just laughing over there on the bench. And Curtis goes up and thankfully missed the shot. And I got the ball, and he's like, dude, go. And I'm like, no, no. We took the ball down the other end of the court. We lost that game. We lost, uh, we lost most of the games we played that year. I'm not sure why. But uh, we, 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 had a, we had an interesting, interesting day that day. It was the wrong goal. I mean, we, we were so intent on getting more points that we had not paid attention to the fact that we were on the wrong end of the court. And I learned the lesson that night. It doesn't matter how many points you score if you're trying to shoot in the wrong goal. I want to talk to you this morning about the goal. Open your Bibles again to Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14, as we learn together from God's Word this morning about the goal. Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. 
The Apostle Paul wrote these words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And God's Word says, not that I have already attained it, or that I am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The main idea of this scripture and the main idea of this sermon today is that we need to press on in the faith toward the goal. We've already taken a look at a couple of words in these verses over the past two weeks. Forget, we are to forget what is behind and reach, we are to reach for what is ahead. And those concepts are important for us to understand in the spiritual race of faith. But it does not matter if we forget what's behind and reach for what's ahead if we're not pressing on toward the goal. In fact, that phrase at the beginning of verse 14 is the central phrase in these verses. And if you highlight or underscore things in your Bible, that's really the line that you should highlight or underscore as the main statement in these verses. At the beginning there of verse 14, I press toward the goal. So how do we press on in the faith toward the goal? There are two things that we must do. First, we have to identify the destination. That is, we've got to identify the goal. We've got to know what we're going after. And second, we have to ignore the distractions so that we can get to the goal. There's a lot going on around us in this world, but we've got to ignore all of those things and press on in the faith toward that ultimate goal. So let's take a look at these two things we must do in order to press on in the faith toward the goal. First, we have to identify the destination. The analogy that Paul made in these verses was to the ancient Greek foot race. And just like races in our day and time, races in their day and time began as a designated starting line. And they ended at a clearly marked finish line. That finish line is where the word goal comes into play in verse 14. In fact, some translations like the King James, the old King James, use the word mark instead of goal. Maybe you guys remember those races you had on the playground growing up. Here's the mark, the end line that you've got to get to to win the race. Uh, some translations like the New Living Translation translate the word end because that's the end line, the end goal that you're trying to get to. It was the end mark that runners would fix their eyes toward and run through to the finish. It may have been marked on the ground or it could have been clearly identified by a flag sticking up in the air. 
It was a focal point for runners in these foot races to look at so they knew where they were going. Their destination was their goal. Like a race that has a clearly marked end goal, we have a clearly marked end goal for our Christian faith. And Paul states the goal very plainly back in verse 11. And in order for you to understand what the ultimate goal for the Christian life is, we're going to need to look back up just a few verses at verse 8. And I'm going to read verses 8 through 14. I know we just read 12 through 14, but I'm going to read it all again so that you can see what the goal is. Paul said, Yet indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. That's the end goal. That's the mark. The resurrection from the dead. Now look at verse 12. Not that I have already attained it, or I'm already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. In other words, I haven't crossed the finish line yet. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal, the goal of the resurrection from the dead through faith in Christ Jesus for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The clearly marked end goal of the Christian life is arriving at the resurrection. That may only be accomplished through the power of Jesus Christ, who died for our sins on the cross, was buried in a borrowed tomb, and three days later rose again to new life, never to die again. That will be attained if you have come to faith in Christ. In other words, you'll get to lay hold of that for which Jesus Christ has laid hold of you. Now, some of you might be thinking, so was Paul talking about how we've got to press on towards the goal because we might not make it there in the Christian life? That's not the case at all. What Paul is saying is if you have begun this race of faith, you're going to have to go and keep going until you get to the end. Many people get it wrong. Here's what people think in many cases. Well, man, I, I believe Jesus died for my sins. I believe that he rose again. I've given my life to him as Lord. I've gotten baptized. I'm a part of the local church. So that means I'm done with this Christian thing. Life is over. The race is finished. I've gotten there. Folks, when you come to know Jesus, that's not where the Christian life stops. It's where it starts. You've got to keep going in this race of faith. And it doesn't mean that you're not going to finish. 
What it means is that if you've truly begun following Jesus in faith, you're going to finish having followed him in faith. Do you get it? Being a Christian is not just coming to know Jesus, getting baptized, so you've got your ticket punched to heaven, and then you can go on and do whatever else you want to with your time on this earth. Being a Christian is coming to know Jesus so that you can follow him faithfully every day and every step of the way for the rest of your life. It's a wake-up call for some people. But Paul knew why he was living his life. Paul knew what race he was running. My point in telling you to identify the goal this morning is not to make you question if you'll get to heaven if you're already a Christian. If you're already a Christian, you're going to heaven no matter what. I mean, that, that, that's signed and sealed. Paul knew that he was going to heaven. He was assured of his salvation. What he was saying is, I haven't gotten to heaven yet. I've not crossed the finish line yet, so I'm not going to stop running the race. I'm going to keep running it. If you've come to know Jesus, you've got to keep running the race. And it's not because you might not make it to the finish line. It's because you want to make it to the finish line. Keep going. My point in asking you and telling you to identify your destination is to really ask yourself, am I really a Christian? Have I really begun to run this race of faith or am I playing some other religious game? Again, the end goal is getting to heaven to be with Christ who died for you and rose again. The end goal is not Oh, let me get my name on the church membership roll. The end goal is not, oh, let me do better as a person so that I feel better about myself or so that other people think better about me than I actually am. The goal is coming to know Jesus and being with him forever. Am I really running the race of faith or am I playing just a religious game? Is my goal to be conformed to Christ by dying to myself spiritually and being raised into his glorious kingdom or am I going toward the wrong goal? If you want to reach the goal, then you need to know where to go. And here's where you need to go. Jesus said in Luke 9, 23, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. That's the goal. Is your goal for your life God's goal for your life? If it's not, you're going the wrong direction. You're not going to reach the destination that God has planned for you. If your goal is not to be raised with Christ anew, then you will be surely disappointed when you get to the end of your time on earth. You will reach the final destination, the end mark of the Christian life, only when you go in faith in the right direction. Have you identified the destination? And there's really only one destination. I mean, the, the Christian life is not about you setting the goals for yourself. The Christian life is about God setting his goal for you and you pursuing it wholeheartedly. Identify the destination. And second, ignore the distractions. 
Ignore the distractions. You want to make it across the finish line. You want to get to the end mark. You want to get to God's ultimate goal for your life. You're going to have to ignore the distractions around you. Paul said back in verse 8 that he counted all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. Did you know that saying yes to Jesus will require you saying no to the things of this world? It will. Saying yes to Jesus will require you saying no to the things of this world. And some of those things may not necessarily be evil in and of themselves. But sometimes saying yes to Jesus means you don't pursue the things of this world that everybody else is pursuing in order to be successful. It's not a bad thing at all to have a job and make money, is it? In fact, we got a bunch of lazy people in our society today. Then you go to work. It's not a bad thing to make money. It's a bad thing to love money. It's not a bad thing to work. But it's a bad thing to think that you can provide everything for yourself that you need without depending upon God. Paul was a very prideful man before he'd come to know Jesus. He thought he could do it all on his own. He accumulated a lot of stuff, power, reputation, influence, even earthly riches to some degree, but he left it all behind. Why? Because following Jesus was worth giving up everything else for. This world will tell you that you've got to pursue riches, that you've got to pursue popularity, that you've got to pursue and accumulate a vast amount of knowledge in order to be successful. Learning is not a bad thing, is it? In fact, if you're a teacher, you can say amen to this one. We've got some lazy students in this world, don't we? People need to learn how to do work in the classroom and read and study. But you can accumulate a ton of knowledge and never arrive at a knowledge of the truth. There are things in this world that people will tell you, if you get this, if you go after this, you'll feel fulfilled, you'll be satisfied, and you'll be successful. But the truth is, Jesus said, come to me. You follow me. And there are things that you'll have to give up if you're going to say yes to Jesus. Running this race will also require you rejecting any and all sense of false self-righteousness so that you can receive the righteousness of the Savior through faith alone. Did you think about what Paul said in verse 9? He said, I, I want to be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law. But that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. If by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. You know, following Jesus won't just require us saying no to the things this world has to offer us. Oftentimes it will also require us saying no to ourselves. What I want, 
There's a lot of external pressure in this world, isn't there? Temptations, things that they can offer you. You go after this, you'll, you'll be fine. You'll feel great. But did you know there's also some internal pressure in our own hearts that are wayward and wicked? We get settled in our hearts and our minds. Well, if, if I just get to this point in life, then I will have made it. If I can just get that, if I can just go there, if I can just do this, then I will have arrived. But Jesus said, if any of you wants to come after me, he must deny himself. Saying yes to Jesus will mean saying no to the things of this world and to yourself. Do you know that? I mean, there's some things that you want that God does not want for you. Do you hear me? There's some things that you want for yourself that God does not want for you. And it's not that God hates you and it's not that God wants to make you miserable. It's that God knows if you get that or even when you get that, you're not gonna be happy and satisfied. And he's saying, don't waste your time. Don't waste your life pursuing all of these things that you think will make you happy because they won't. If you will pursue me, I will satisfy you. I will give you true meaning and purpose in life. If you'll follow me, you'll understand what it means to know me. We don't need to get sidetracked in this race of faith we need to press on toward the goal. I mean, think about it like this. How many of you watched that Packers 49ers game last night? Anybody? There we go. If you're Dallas Cowboy fans like our children's minister Bryson, you got to pity that guy. You might have been happy the Packers lost last night. If you grew up in Wisconsin, you might not be happy the Packers lost last night. It was a good game, wasn't it? Many... If you guys like football, you know Christian McCaffrey, don't you? I mean, my goodness, man. Even if you don't like football, some of you know that guy's name. He's able to explode out of the backfield and just run through people. What would you think if in last night's game, when Christian McCaffrey had that great run into the end zone, what would you think if this had happened instead? Let's say that old Purdy handed the ball off to Christian McCaffrey and Christian McCaffrey, instead of looking at the end zone, seeing the goal line, turned his attention towards all of the fans of San Francisco there to cheer him on. And what would you think if instead of running towards the end zone to score points for his team, he decided, you know what? I see some crazy fans over there. They stayed out here all night in the rain to come and watch me play. And so instead of running toward that end zone to score points for my team so we can win the game, I'm going to run over to them because they are cheering me on and I want to tell them thank you for being here and I want to jump into the stands and celebrate with them. And what if he thought, you know, this will be better than a Lambo leap in Green Bay. I could just rub it in the Packers' faces. I'm better than you. 
And so instead of running towards the goal line and making it in the end zone and scoring a touchdown, Christian McCaffrey took off towards the sideline, ran past the bench, and jumped up in the stands to go sit with a group of guys who had their chests painted and who were wearing his jerseys and was like, yeah, I'm the man. Do you think people would be as impressed with Christian McCaffrey as they were last night if that's what had happened? (laughs) Nick would have been okay with it. Green Bay fans would have been okay with it. There's no point in him doing something like that. Why? Because their team would not score any points. I want you to listen to me and hear me out. Some people in the Christian life have been saved by the grace of God in Christ Jesus. But instead of pressing on in the faith toward the goal, they are getting sidetracked. They have taken their eyes off the finish line and they've looked somewhere else. They are glorying in their own self-righteousness. Look how good of a person I am now. Look how much I read my Bible, how often I go to church, how much I give, how faithfully I serve. Watch me. The truth is it doesn't impress anybody when we live our Christian life like that. It doesn't impress the Lord either. There is no point living the Christian life trying to make it about something other than Christ. He's the point. There is no point in not living your life for the purpose that God has intended it. Go for the goal. Fix your eyes on the finish line. Don't get sidetracked with things this world has to offer you Or even with thinking that you can be somebody so great and important that you deserve glory and attention and applause. Press on in the faith toward the goal. I want to ask you a question this morning. And I want you to reflect upon this question. Maybe you even need to ask the Lord to reveal to you if you could say yes to this question from your heart. Are you pressing on in the faith toward the goal? Are you pressing on in the faith toward the goal? For some of you here this morning, the answer may be no. And the answer may be no because you're not running the race of faith at all. You have never come to know God through His Son, Jesus Christ. In fact, you you kind of wonder what Christians are talking about all the time when they talk about Jesus dying for our sins, when they talk about Jesus rising again to new life, when they talk about naming Jesus Lord. If that's you here this morning, you're not pressing on in the faith toward the goal because you have not ever come to faith in Christ before, I wanna share with you right here and right now You can become a Christian. You can begin to run the race of faith right here and right now. The Bible says in Romans chapter 3 verse 23 that all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's an interesting way 
to put it. To fall short of the glory of God means to miss the mark. In other words, we've been going the wrong direction. We haven't been living our lives the way that God wants us to. And because of that, the truth is we're miserable and unfulfilled and not satisfied. And we can keep going that direction, but it's not going to get better. It's only going to get worse. We've all sinned, myself included. We've all fallen short of God's glory, of the mark that he set for us. The Bible says that not only are we all sinners, but it also says in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, that the wages of sin is death. That means what we're going to receive, if we keep going the direction that we're going, is physical and spiritual and eternal death, separation from God. That's bad news. But it's in the midst of that bad news that God gives us good news. And here it is. The wages of sin is death, but the rest of that verse goes on to say this, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. See, God knew that we were going to miss the mark. And so he sent his son Jesus from heaven to earth. And unlike the rest of us, Jesus lived a perfect life, always obeyed the Father, never sinned, not one time. And he went to the cross to die on the cross. The wages of sin is death, but Jesus never sinned, so he didn't deserve to die. Romans 5, 8 tells us why Jesus died on the cross. That verse says, but God demonstrated his love for us in this way, that while we were still sinners, while we missed the mark, Christ died for us. Romans chapter 10 Verses 9 and 10 go on to say this. If we would confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised his son Jesus from the dead, we'd be saved. You see, Jesus died so that you could be forgiven of your sins. Jesus was raised to new life so that he can give you a new life. And he will if you'll simply call upon him in faith as Lord. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Romans 10 verse 13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you answer no to that question, and I'm pressing on in the faith toward the goal, because you don't know Jesus, it's time to know him. And you can today. If the answer to that question is no, because you are a Christian, but you've become distracted with the things of this world, or you've become disillusioned with yourself, it's time to lay those weights aside, to lay that sin aside, and to keep running the race of faith with your eyes focused and fixed upon Christ. God loves you so much that he gave his son Jesus for you. If he gave his all for you, 
he is worth you giving your all for him. Would you stand with your heads bowed and your eyes closed? In just a moment, there's going to be a song of invitation. And before this song is played, I'm going to pray with you. And as soon as I say amen and I'm done praying, I want to ask you to respond to God as he spoke into your heart this morning. If you're here today and you're not pressing on in the faith toward the goal because you don't know Jesus and you want to know Jesus this morning, I just want you to walk out of your pew from where you're standing and come down here and say, Jake, I want to know Jesus. If you're here this morning and you've been distracted in the Christian life, I want to ask you to step out of your pew and come down here to this altar and pray and say, Lord, I've become distracted with the things of this world. Or God, I've become disillusioned with myself. God, I want to return to following you wholeheartedly with my eyes fixed on the goal. Father God, we thank you so much for the way that you love us. God, we thank you that even though each and every one of us have missed the mark, that we've fallen short of your glory. God, that you, in your love, gave the life of your son Jesus for us so that we could receive the forgiveness of sins and the free gift of eternal life. God, we thank you that we will indeed cross the finish line of this race of faith if we have come to know your son Jesus because he has rescued us, he has saved us, and he'll see us all the way through to the end. Lord, I pray if there is anybody here this morning that is not pressing on toward the goal because they don't know Jesus, that right here and right now they'd come to know him. God, give them the courage to take a literal step of faith and come down here to the front and simply say, I want to know Jesus. God, for those who are here in this room this morning that have begun to run the Christian race of faith, but have become distracted, God, I pray that right here and right now, they'd come before you this morning and lay themselves anew and afresh at your altar, giving themselves wholeheartedly to you so that they can run the race of faith, pressing on toward the goal. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.